0: I know that over uh, the last several months I've lost a lot of things and one of them has been my smile and and I know it doesn't mean a whole lot to everybody else but it means a lot to me so I have to go back and fix myself and take care of myself and I have to go back and I have to find my smile because somewhere along the line I lost him. Welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, your number one source for retro wrestling. I am Intern Alex, as you know, accompanied, as
1: always, by Patrick Young. Absolutely. The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history. If you don't know me, you should. My name is Patrick Young. What the goal of this podcast is, is to
0: basically just highlight old wrestling shows. Uh, there's, there's really nothing else to uh, say about it. We'll touch on some modern wrestling, and we'll talk about just stuff from our personal life, but we'll just put our spin on it. We'll Absolutely. Just give it a go. That's the most we can do. I'm Intern Alex. I've already said that. I've watched pro wrestling since about 1996. I took some time off after the year 2000. I didn't really keep up with it. I didn't really get back into it until I actually met you, Patrick, when we met at an auto parts warehouse that we worked at. So we've been talking about pro wrestling ever since. So that's been about 10 years. Uh, I didn't actually see WCW clothes. Uh, I don't remember that. So one night, I just looked for Nitro one night, and it was off the air. It was gone. That's pretty much it. I've worked in radio since uh, 2009, so this is year seven, and uh, this is my first attempt at a wrestling podcast, so thank you.
1: Well, I mean, you know, with the brains like me backing you, what can we say, you know? Really? How can I lose? Exactly. I am Patrick Young. I grew up in the wrestling business as a fan, sharing locker rooms, traveling around in the backseat of uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy's car, going to... uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling and shows like that ended up, finally somebody said, hey, why don't you just get on in there and let's see what you got. I started out as a ref. I have wrestled. Obviously, I'm better known as a ref because I'm a pretty crappy wrestler. So, Too much cardio. Hey, that's it, man. I have been in the ring with some of the biggest names ever in professional wrestling in the past and present. uh, I intend to to go to the very top. And when I say it, I believe it. I am the greatest referee in professional wrestling history and I defy anybody to argue with me on that topic.
0: You've taped Raw and Nitro but you continue, you are still the last person using VHS tapes I I
1: am. You're it the is,
0: last one, you're the last holdout.
1: It is very difficult now to find blank VHS tapes to be able to record stuff on so but you're a huge historian <laughs> Absolutely. on pro
0: wrestling. Absolutely. you have a huge tape library. <laughs>
1: You know pretty much everything top to bottom of pro wrestling. I would say if you watched everything that I had, it would take you about two months. Non-stop, no sleep, no eat, just watch wrestling straight on.
0: You have random wrestling memorabilia all over your house. You're
1: in fact wearing a wrestling t-shirt as we record this podcast. I am a WWE guy. I uh, I will forever be a WCW man at heart. I think Nitro should have won Monday Night Wars
0: that, that's a very controversial thing you just
1: said absolutely and you know what we're going to be very controversial and we're going to give it to you just like it is whether fans want to hear it that way or not so. now I
0: don't I don't know if it's going to be controversial, but we're going to make you do critical thinking about some of these things. And I don't know anybody else in the world that would say they'd wish Nitro had won. But like I said, that's a topic for another day. All Right now, we're going to get into some modern wrestling first before we get into the main event, Patrick. The main event today is WWF In your house, number 13, The Final Four. From Chattanooga, Tennessee, February 16th, 1997, UTC Arena. Before it was called UTC McKenzie Arena, it's since been renamed, and yours truly was there with my dad, who hated professional wrestling and still does. He just doesn't get it. He's one of those people, one of those strange people that do not like pro wrestling, and so he took me there. He got free tickets. We ended up in the gold circle of the UTC Arena, and we sat through the two grueling hours of this Final Four, in-your-house pay-per-view. Fact is, it's the only ticket stub I have saved. I've been to WrestleManias with you, and I didn't keep the ticket stub. It made that much of an impact on me, and now I've been waiting 20 years, almost, to talk about this, because Dad didn't want to talk about it on the way home. But
1: now I've got you, Pat. But first, we're going to touch on some things that are happening in wrestling currently. Let's get on to a little piece of business and with thee. The Dudley Boys, out of nowhere, just announces their retirement. I don't care for the way that they were rode out of Raw, basically, with the club coming in and uh, putting them down. I mean, they have a really good wrestling school up north that they're working on, and I really thought that maybe it would turn out to where we had uh, a little bit of a feud like we had back in uh, the late 2000s when you had the draft that split them up and you had, you know, Devon. That was a terrible
0: thing that happened it, it, to them.
1: It was a terrible thing, but, I mean, it broke them out to show, hey, you know, these guys... It did
0: nothing for Devon though. It did nothing for Bubba Ray because their version of his singles character was... dancing Bubba Ray Dudley.
1: Well, (laughs) but I mean, it goes to show you, though, that even as a tag team, they are two great singles wrestlers as well. But I would say the greatest tag team of all time, if not ranked up there as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And I, I was the fan side of me. Truthfully, they have nothing left to prove. I mean, they they have established themselves as being up there with guys like the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express road warriors um, but yeah let's get started as we jump right into it yes the uh, the attendance
0: for this show like i said 6,399 fans the utc arena holds over 11,000 people so this is a little bit more than half full kevin dunn and the wwf production team did a great job because it looked like they put a camera at the top of the ceiling and they dimmed the lights And they made the UTC arena look as big
1: as the Superdome on certain shots. It looked amazing. It really did. It's a very small venue. They did great camera work to make it look as big, if not bigger, than what it truly is. So
0: the pay-per-view opens with the movie guy voiceover. This is something that's missing uh, out of most pay-per-views today. And it starts out, What does it mean to be champion for Shawn Michaels, the most... Flamboyant, courageous, athletic champion ever. It undoubtedly meant the world. By the way, Shawn Michaels not wrestling on this show. So the very first thing you're told is how great Shawn Michaels is.
1: Absolutely. He won't be on this show. And he had a lot of personal issues he was going through. So I think that's kind of why he had to relinquish the then WWF world title. That's not accurate, though, because the reason he relinquished the title is because he did not
0: want to lose it to Sid... On Thursday, Raw Thursday, and he did not want to lose to Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13, so he faked a knee injury to get out. Of doing both jobs because he's Shawn Michaels in 1997 and he's not gonna do anything you ask him to do so that's why he actually forfeited the title yeah a leg injury a leg injury that's right yes a devastating leg injury he gave the speech standing up this is not a man in a wheelchair he gave the speech standing up we didn't see a limp too much the video package teases a Bret Hart heel turn because uh, once it cuts away from Shawn Michaels and shows the competitors uh, they show a clip of Bret Hart in the ring and and the voiceover guy says, Not quite the role models we once adored. And it was Bret Hart hitting somebody. So they're already teasing the Bret Hart heel turn here. Uh, Western Union is our sponsor for this show. Western Union, uh, the only way to send money, Patrick. Everyone Absolutely. Knows that. I don't think anyone uses Western Union anymore because we're in the year 2016. You have an app, Venmo. You can share money with your phone now. I don't think anyone's using Western Union You say anymore. that, but when I go to Walmart, I have a line <laughs> out of customer service every single time. So we We in the South are the last... People on earth using Western Union Uh. (laughs) This is called the Final Four uh, Patrick, now do you know who the Actual Final Four of the NCAA Tournament was in 1997 I do not Okay, Uh, Just for reference, the NCAA Final Four, the actual Final Four Not the WWF version Featured Kentucky, Minnesota North Carolina, and Arizona So there you go There's a, a factoid for you Who ended up winning? Arizona went on to win But another coincidence with Final 497 from the UTC arena is that 1997 was the year that the UTC basketball men's team pulled off one of the biggest upsets to date in the NCAA tournament and won from a 12 seed to advance to the Sweet 16. So. This had not been done before. Now it's been done pretty much every year since. But this was.
1: But back then in the 90s. I mean, it
0: all comes together, Patrick. Absolutely. With Final
1: Four. Absolutely.
0: 1997. Oh, by the way, the pay per view is called the Final Four. So it gives you the impression that these are the Final Four competitors in the 1997 Royal Rumble. That is not correct, Patrick. That is not correct. No, because fake Diesel was
1: the second-to-last person eliminated from the Royal Rumble. He was, exactly. You had uh, Bret Hart throw him over after Bret Hart eliminated Austin, but the referees didn't see it. That's correct. The people involved in this match are Austin plus the
0: three people that Austin eliminated. Exactly. Not the actual Final Four from the Rumble. So the title itself is misleading. That is true. We got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on commentary, which is also kind of new to WWF at this time because they were still doing the three-man team with Vince. Uh, Vince didn't really stop doing commentary with them until... Uh, Bad Blood was actually the last uh, pay-per-view he did with the three-man team so this is uh, one of the early incarnations of the two-man Jim Ross Jerry Lawler. Patrick, unfortunately for us, we did not get to see the dark match for Final Four 1997 which was the Godwins versus the Headbangers I did not know there was a dark match Oh, there was a dark match, Patrick We We don't know how long it ran and I remember seeing the Godwins as a kid, but I had no recollection of this match occurring uh, the Godwins won. I'm sure in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the Godwins were the faces in that match for some reason against the Headbangers. Are you
1: calling us hillbillies, sir?
0: Yes, I'm afraid I'm calling <laughs> us hillbillies because the well, Headbangers yeah. wearing Marilyn Manson t-shirts would definitely be heels in Chattanooga, Tennessee.
1: Quick update, though. With
0: that, the Headbangers making their return. Or whenever this podcast gets published, they have job Heath have... Slater and Rhino. <laughs> Hopefully the,
1: not. Hopefully not. I really would like to see them have another good run. Uh, uh, they never had a good run to begin well, with, so they know. would
0: just need a good run, period. Uh, we're going to open up with Mark Marrow's theme it's playing as Mark Marrow and Sable
1: head to the ring. Sable wearing
0: sunglasses. The arena is dark, and Sable has sunglasses
1: on. Maybe she was... Uh, in, the, in the words of Jerry the King Waller, her future's so bright she has to wear sunshades inside.
0: Jim Ross says, someone's leaving on that Chattanooga choo-choo tonight with that gold around their waist. Well, that's unfortunate for them because there is no Chattanooga choo-choo that actually leaves from Chattanooga. There is no passenger train. That is true. Uh, so there will be none of that. That I'm was sh- an outdated statement from the 1800s. Uh, behind the commentators, I noticed a man with a disposable camera. Do you still have a disposable camera? You've I use have... VHS tapes. Do you still use? I disposable do. Cameras? I have quite
1: a few of them from shows as a kid that I have not. You have that You're one. You're always
0: waiting to get them developed. You... By the time you decide to get them developed, Patrick, there will be no more. Well, you more still
1: di- have that one or two that you have to. You have to go ahead and take pictures of before it's completely filled, so you have to. Go, right. You've you always know, got one or you two pictures one... left. Yeah, exactly.
0: You don't want to waste, you know, two p- good pictures because it costs the same to develop. Exactly. Whatever amount of film you've got exactly. in it. Exactly. We also have the Spanish and French announced teams here. That is really weird that the Spanish and French teams are here, Patrick. And as you noted. No one went through those tables. No one went through those tables. That entire pay-per-view. Someone behind the French announce team has a Wildman Mark Marrow T-shirt. Did you know anybody on this planet?
1: I didn't even know they made one.
0: We get a big pyro display for Mark Marrow. He just sort of walks around. He doesn't really do any pose like the no. classic Razor Ramon pose in front of the fireworks looks
1: spectacular.
0: Right. but when Mark Marrow had more pyro. He just sort of walked around.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the feeling that maybe he thought the cameras weren't on him, so he didn't need to stay in character. I don't know. Uh, we get no entrance for jobber Leaf
0: Cassidy. Oh. A.K.A. Al Snow. Uh, you might wonder, where is Marty Jannetty? Because, you know, Leaf Cassidy... New Rockers. Exactly. One of the most successful tag teams ever. The New Rockers, of course. Well, uh, that's because Marty Jannetty asked for his release because management would not split up the New Rockers. He wanted out of the tag team with Al Snow. Uh, he would end up in WCW in 1998, so he was taking a slight vacation. One of many that Marty Jannetty takes from pro wrestling. Uh, the match starts out. Leaf Cassidy starts slapping Mark Merrow. JR notes Leaf plans to Matt wrestle Merrow. Merrow ducks a clothesline, uh, gets a couple of arm drag takedowns, and then Marrow works one. One of many arm
1: bars. Uh, Not an arm bar. What uh, was it? It was an arm bar, or was it an arm bar? Chris Jericho will have to that was clarify. A Chris, yeah, that was a Chris Jericho hit there for anybody who remembers that from 97 as well.
0: Leaf eventually escapes from uh, the arm bar he goes to the outside. Al Snow grabs a hold of Mark Merrill's legs and that my friends foreshadows the story of this match. Al Snow throws on a modified leg lace in the center of the ring. At this point the crowd is briefly taken by Sable who's off camera doing something. Crowd's pretty much dead for the entirety of this show. Snow stomps the leg some more uh, Merrill eventually sells the leg as he tries to get up. Merrill delivers an insiguri, which doesn't get anywhere close close to Al Snow's head. marrow rolls up Snow for a two count. Snow ties up marrow for a figure four. Marrow makes it to the ropes. Sable pushed the rope to help. Snow hops out to admonish Sable. Sable slaps Al Snow directly in front of the ref,
1: Patrick. And if I was refereeing that match, that would have been a DQ. So Al Snow,
0: after getting slapped by Sable, grabs Sable. Mark
1: Marrow who has had
0: his leg worked on the entire match, decides to run and dive through the center ropes on to Al Snow, who does a great job catching him. He gets Snow into the ring. Samoan drop into position. He does the eye gesture for the wild thing. A great hand signal, huh? Uh,
1: yeah. Um, All the kids at
0: school everybody doing that. Everybody loved
1: doing that. Fans get excited,
0: not by Mark Merrill, but by Sable. He gets the wild thing shooting star. It's okay looking. He lands on his knees, basically. And he gets a pinfall in nine minutes and 30 seconds. Wow. That was nine minutes of our life. We will never get back. Uh, this is a really, really bad opening match. Uh, you can already see that Sable is the breakout star of the team. Absolutely. Uh, when they signed Johnny B. Bad from WCW, they saw his
1: wife. They did not see him, and no. they knew which one of the two they wanted. They let, you know, Mark Merrill work a few matches, but. I think they were willing to throw away some money just to be able to get the chance at Sable, which paid off quite. Quite quite big for them in the long run. Well, the future for both of
0: these guys would improve. The Attitude Era was kind to them. Al Snow would actually be sent to ECW soon after this, where Leaf Cassidy turned into Al Snow, and of course, where he
1: found Head. Yes,
0: one of my least favorite gimmicks uh, in all of pro wrestling. I think it's one of the dumbest really? things. Really, I hated Head. It's a it's one joke over. And over and over again.
1: For every teenage guy in the 90s, though, that joke never got old. I think it did. I think <laughs> as you watch it back
0: as a 28-year-old, you will get tired of Al going ahead very, very quickly. That is true. That is true. So that's the end of the first match. Honky Tonk Man's music. Uh, Plays and he comes out, but then the pay per view cuts away, so we don't get to see Honky Tonk Man. I
1: have no Uh, idea what Honky Tonk Man was doing there. I I
0: think he just did his theme song, if I
1: remember correctly, as a kid. It was right around this time is when he started looking for the. This is when he was looking for Rockabilly. (laughs) Yeah, he would find Rockabilly later on in the year.
0: WWF didn't have anything for him to do,
1: so he just comes out and sings.
0: Right, he comes out and sings here because the UTC Arena doesn't have any jumbotrons. So, the pay-per-view is about to show you the entire Lost My Smile speech from Thursday, Raw Thursday. You paid $20 for this pay-per-view. And now you're watching what you saw on Thursday. Exactly. Again, yeah, you could have seen it on your cable on USA on Thursday night for free. For free. And if you're ordering in your house Final Four, you watched on Thursday. So, at this point, you're like, I really got ripped off because now I'm just watching highlights from Raw. This is almost like how they do weekly shows now just you see highlights from the other shows
1: absolutely I wish that would change uh, I don't see that changing in the future but I do get tired of saying well here's what happened on that show well we're not on that show let's stick with what we got going on now let's it's just keep filler it, let's keep it interesting let's keep it exactly
0: it, it was filler on this show because the total wrestling time of these matches combined was just over a little over an hour exactly a little over an hour exactly on, that, on a two hour show wow that's a
1: lot well, of filler and I mean and we should have said this at the beginning it was only a five match card as well yes
0: if you're curious about what WCW Was doing, they were building the Super Brawl 7, which the headline match was Hogan and Piper. So that's what you're missing on WCW at this time. You know, one thing I didn't like about the Lost My Smile speech, other than the whole speech, at the end, Vince. He's the interviewer. He hugs Shawn Michaels. He should be impartial. He's an interviewer. I don't see Mean Gene wrapping his arms around Hulkster. Very true. Very true. An interviewer should be impartial just like the ref. Then we go to Kevin Kelly, who's with Sid backstage. Uh, Sid, always a tremendous promo. Thank you, Sid. Absolutely. Sid was the number one contender for the belt.
1: Exactly. He's the number one contender You're having a title match tonight. Why are you not putting the number one contender in the title match? Right. I agree. But he's going to wait till Monday. We're going to have a title match. To try to get you to tune in and not watch
0: Nitro. Absolutely. Uh, Then we hear Flash Funk's music. Uh, This set, this is when you notice how cheap this set is. They didn't even bring the house for the In Your House pay-per-view. Nope. This was worse than a house show set. Almost, it was. It right. looks so cheap, and you really notice it when Flash Funk, who's supposed to be flashy, comes out to a completely dull entrance ramp. What's different between Flash Funk and Mister uh, Tyrus?
1: Not a single. They're the same thing. They're the same. It's the same gimmick. It was the same thing, Brodus Clay. Brodus Clay and eats- Flash Funk. To take nothing away from Brodus Clay, who I've been in the ring with, is a phenomenal athlete. Flash Funk, better known as Two Cold Scorpio, still to this day, 20 years later, can wrestle matches that I would put on live television.
0: They got in the ring, they danced some more. I should have timed his entrance. His entrance took forever. <laughs> I noticed that he's not a very good dancer. That is one thing that Protus Clay has on Too Cold Scorpio. Too Cold Scorpio is a not a good dancer here. From a bad dancer to another one, Too Cold Scorpio, yeah, not
1: a good dancer. That's true. I, I mean, I have two left feet. I can't dance either, so. Out
0: next is our Brawl for All soon-to-be champion, Bart Gunn, who's wrestling... In blue jeans. Say all you want about John Cena and his jorts. Jorts are more stylish than just regular old blue
1: jeans. I don't know what they were trying to do. If, they if were you trying wrestle in to blue keep... jeans, you need a shirt.
0: Right. The smoking guns had already broken had up. Had
1: they? Yes,
0: they had already broken up. They okay. lost the titles to Owen and Bulldog, I believe, at the Survivor Series. So Billy's off television. He'll be repackaged as Rockabilly in April. So something to something, look forward to. There you go. He's lost his tag partner, and now he's teaming with Flash Funk. Golddust and Marlena come out next. Wow, this is an odd collection of three wrestlers.
1: This it, is It's a unique tag team trio, you might say. I think the breakout star of this group, even back then, was Gold Dust.
0: Oh, he was the biggest star, bar none. But he's also he's a bigger star because he was a great heel. Now he's with the faces, for no reason. Yeah, absolutely. Their explanation for putting Goldust in the match, he got beat up by the Nation of Domination two weeks ago. So not even on the last Raw, but two weeks ago's Raw, he got beat up. Crush used the heart punch on him, so that's why he's in this match. Nation of Domination out next, they have the Shield entrance, they walk through the crowd. And this version of their theme, the Forgotten version, this one had lyrics, Patrick, more than just, We are the Nation, the Nation of Domination. This had lyrics because they were rapped over.
1: They were. You uh, had two rappers with microphones walking them to the ring. I could not understand a single word they were no. saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and even, even being there live, I remember. I don't know what they're saying. Yeah, It was really distracting. The music was too loud for them to be rapping over. It right. was just, it wasn't working. Uh, the rappers here, J.C. Ice and Wolfie D. This is PG-13. Lo Brown is with the nation. Uh, he, he doesn't talk. He doesn't wrestle. He just walks out with them. Uh, Clarence Mason is their manager. Uh, they all the nation out to the ring wrestling will of course be farouk crush and savio
1: vega now what i want to know is how in the world do you tie in savio vega to the nation of domination or
0: crush Well, crush, 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 crush
1: was a member so is savio vega he was never a member no of... they're members
0: were they members of, nation bon- of this is before they get broken up into disciples of apocalypse and los periquas they're members this is so that it doesn't appear too racist Patrick because you say because this is Vince's way out if someone says well you're just spoofing the nation of Islam the Black Panthers oh I'm no I'm not I've got a white guy and a Puerto Rican in there that's true so that's why they're in the group that's true it's good that African-American wrestlers have come a long way this is very offensive today this would not fly today no you know WWF missed a real marketing opportunity with PG-13 because you know PG-13 could have teamed up with the rated R superstar. And then Absolutely. you could have had the ratings board.
1: There you go. Okay. Uh,
0: JR mentions he's never seen a crowd this large at the UTC arena. He says he's been here many times, alluding to his time in WCW. I think JR saw bigger crowds uh, in WCW when they ran Halloween Havoc or Clash of the Champions 4.
1: I hope, too, on future shows we get into that Halloween Havoc show. One of my personal favorites... Well, you have the pick at the end of this episode, so maybe that'll be it. I don't know what direction you want to go.
0: You have time to think about it. Farouk wants the mic, but the mic doesn't work, so he can't cut a promo. Goldust starts the match. He starts beating Farouk in the corner. All six members, all three members of both teams run in. They start punch kicking. Pretty boring. The face is clear house. Farouk and Goldust are going to start this match. Despite starting the match, Goldust immediately tags in Flash Funk. Even though Flash Funk had no storyline reason to be in this match. They never explained why he
1: was there. That is true. They didn't. But yeah, like you said, it was kind of, it made no sense why he's getting ready to start and immediately makes a tag. So,
0: Farouk hits a very ugly spine buster to Flash Funk. It looked botched a little bit. Savio Vega then tags in. Funk does an impressive hurricane run off the top. You don't see a lot of that in WWF at this time. Uh, that gets a two count on Savio. Crush runs in, breaks it up. Uh, Bart Gunn runs him off. Then we get Savio leaving the ring. Uh, Bart Gunn whips f- uh, Flash Funk to the ropes, flings him over the ropes to the heels to the outside. They sort of drop him when he flies over. Uh, Vega and Funk re-enter the ring. Vega back body drops Flash Funk and tags in Crush. JR mentions Crush being a jailbird because he had just gotten out of jail. That was how they toughened him up.
1: That Was, was that a gimmick? No, he was really in he jail. He was really in jail. What yeah. was he in jail for?
0: He served jail time for purchasing steroids. For purchasing steroids. That's right, and they hired him back. They were desperate. they hired him back. They were desperate at that time. Everyone was jumping for WCW, so they hired him back. Which he still didn't last that long, even then. Crush delivers a belly-to-belly to to Flash Funk for a two-count. Crush tags in Farouk. Farouk calls the crowd, Old Country Ass Hicks. Farouk currently resides in Marietta, Georgia. He's lived in Georgia pretty much his whole life, so it's funny that he's calling the crowd Old Country Ass Hicks. All right, uh, he's slapping around Funk, and he calls Flash Funk a southern black redneck. JR apologizes uh, to the crowd for that. Farouk is delivering knees to the back of Flash Funk, who's on the ground on his back. Then Funk flips over, and he raises his knee, and Farouk falls directly onto it on his balls, and that's in front of the referee. Patrick, question for you. Is that a DQ? Yes. Yes. Why is that a DQ when because Brooke is the one jumping? The, if I am... Okay, here was the scenario. What if I'm in the corner, and I'm just raising my knee, and you run into the corner and, like, try to splash me, but you hit, hit me, I end up hitting you okay, in the well, groin. Okay, that's, well,
1: that's... No, but this was just plain wide open. There was no way to hide it. There was no way to argue or dispute the fact that he saw him getting ready to come off the top, and he put his leg up there purposely to... Hit him with a low blow. So, yeah, if I was refereeing the match, I would have just, I would have called it. Not good for the faces to be
0: using low blows in the match. Uh, Farouk tags Savio back in. The ref is distracted by Goldust, who complains about Vega punching him. Then we have Crush and Vega beat down Funk while the ref's distracted. Savio helps Crush deliver a spike pile driver to Flash Funk. Crush is the one that covers Flash Funk. Crush
1: not the legal man, Patrick. He is not. And I was actually waiting to see if you were going to catch that. When I was going back through watching this, I saw it as well. And JR wanted to point it out, that Crush was not the legal man, uh, but he
0: caught himself. He caught himself and let it go. And then Lawler kind of dogs on him for stumbling for a second, but it's because JR wanted to call out the ref for missing who the legal man was. That's the one thing you gotta keep up with, Patrick.
1: You do. And it does get confusing with six men in the ring. That is true.
0: Crush then tags in Farouk, so uh, Savio Vega enters the ring as well, and all the heels attempt a double clothesline on Funk. He kind of backflips out of a double clothesline attempt. It was kind of impressive, but really slow. Then he gets a double clothesline on the heels. Uh, Savio's still in the ring, well past the five count to get out. Uh, This ref is losing control, Patrick. He is. He is uh, referee Patrick Young. I know you were only nine then, but I think you could have done a better job here. Bart Gunn is the one that gets the hot tag from Flash Funk. And uh, his running wild is pretty bad. All he does is clothesline Savio Vega and Farouk very slowly. He gets a running power slam on Farouk. Vega breaks up the pin attempt. Now both sides enter the ring, so now we've lost control completely. Farouk attempts a dominator on Bart Gunn. Now Bart Gunn gets out of it, onto the top rope, hits a bulldog on Farouk, covers Farouk, crushed, then leg drops Bart Gunn, he starts to roll Farouk onto Gun, but then the ref sees him, and he kind of freaks out and doesn't roll Farouk over, so then Farouk just sort of crawls over Bart Gunn for the merciful three, getting the win at 6 minutes, 42 seconds.
1: I kind of see where they were trying to go with that finish. It ended up turning out as planned. It was really bad. Uh, <laughs> if you couldn't get all parties to go ahead and make sure they knew uh was going to go exactly as planned that way... They should have changed it. My problems with the match, other than this odd combination of faces. This is one of the weirdest
0: three-man teams I've ever seen, even in weird Survivor Series years. The rest of the nation, all those guys that came out with them, PG-13 and everything, they did nothing to help out the nation in this match. Well, an- You got Clarence Mason out there, he did nothing.
1: Well, and... An- you know, as you had mentioned earlier, D'Lo Brown. This is uh, D'Lo Brown's one of his first times appearances appearing with uh, with WWE F at the time, coming from Smoky Mountain Wrestling in Knoxville, and I think that this would have been a great opportunity for D'Lo to have uh, shown his capabilities instead of just standing there throughout the whole match with his arms crossed. Yeah, D-Lo, anybody could have done anything. This was
0: uh, bad. It was was only 6 minutes 42 seconds, so you can't complain too much. But even then, it felt a lot longer. Uh, Flash Funk, who had no documented history with the nation, did the most work. He's got no beef with the nation of domination, yet he's the guy in the ring most of the time. But... To be fair, he's probably the best worker of Absolutely. the three. You didn't see much out of Savio Vega in that match either, truthfully. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Gold dust and Savio didn't get a lot of work in there. Up next, we've got Doc Hendricks with Stone Cold Steve Austin in front of some lockers. This is a legit locker room. This is not a locker room set. They are really this just... is
1: This is—we've been in there. This is the UTC McKenzie Arena locker room. Uh, they don't have Doc's mic open
0: for the first part of the question, so I missed that. He asks Stone Cold if it concerns him that he doesn't hold a clear-cut victory over anybody in the Final Four match. Austin sort of stumbles over this promo. It's kind of weird because you always think of Stone Cold as a flawless promo, but he stumbles over a couple of words. So I guess you're going to sit there and tell me the Royal Rumble wasn't a main event, wasn't a main pay-per-view last month, when I threw three pieces of trash, Vader, The Undertaker, and Brett the Hitman hard over the top rope. To me, jackass, that constitutes a clear-cut victory, as you want to call it, over those three guys. I did it once, I'll do it again. The whole thing is, Gorilla Monsoon says I didn't win the Royal Rumble. The whole world saw me win the Royal Rumble because we don't have the instant replay rule in effect here. The bottom line is, you work in the office. You've got a conspiracy against me, just like Vince McMahon, Gorilla Monsoon, everybody. It's all a part of the bureaucratic BS and politics that's held Stone Cold Steve Austin back for seven long years. But the bottom line is this, Doc. I will win the Final Four today, and I will be the World Wrestling Federation champion, and you can count on it. And you can count on it. And you can count on it. That's right. They hadn't figured out the, uh, that's the bottom line catchphrase. I
1: haven't yet. You know, to be fair, as you said, he was stumbling over this uh, this promo. Austin was just kind of coming off the hills of being the ringmaster. So he was still trying to find, you know... The happy medium of what the Stone Cold character was all about.
0: I think he had. I think he had the the idea of the character down, but he didn't have all the fine. He gives Doc Hendricks here a dirty look during this promo, and he looks intense. So he's got the idea of where the character needs to go. He just doesn't have the catch. He doesn't have the bells and whistles of who Stone Cold is yet. Absolutely. Uh, we go back to the ring. Triple H is getting in. Uh, this match here's coming up with Rocky Maivia. It was set up on four days' notice from Thursday Raw where Triple
1: H lost the Intercontinental title to the Rocky Maivia because of an inside cradle. Inside cradle. I cannot tell you how much I miss inside cradles, small packages, schoolboy roll-ups. A quick victory, a quick pinfall like that, I still say to this day will withstand the test of time as a, an exciting finish, having somebody kick out of your finisher three times in a row.
0: But it looks real bad on a wrestler to lose in this fashion, especially a title match. Uh,
1: Which I is agree. why I think
0: you don't see it anymore well, that for title is true. changes. True. This is the first pay-per-view singles match between Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Rocky Maivia. So there's your trivia note from this entire pay-per-view. This is the first match of many between these two people who could still wrestle today if they wanted Of to. many. <laughs> Oh, Rocky Maivia comes out, and he looks very different from even later that year when he was the Rock. He was chunky here. This is chunky Rocky Maivia.
1: He had probably eaten one of those good crystal burgers before he had come out to the ring because, yeah... He had he didn't look like he had hit the gym. No, this in a couple is still of weeks. Dwayne Johnson. This yeah. is
0: Dwayne Johnson the the Miami linebacker. This is right. not Jerry Lawler says Rocky will go down as a flash in the pan. How did that turn out? I well I yeah. think he's on to something there. I don't see this Rocky kid doing anything. I don't anything. see
1: this Rocky kid doing anything.
0: We start up the match. How do you start out a uh, blood feud over the Intercontinental title, uh,
1: Patrick? You started out with a headlock. And he still wrestles pretty much the same way he did. He has not changed his style much at all, and, but it works for him. It, it really It's an entertaining match every time you see Triple H in the ring. Not much to say about the opening part of the
0: match. Uh, rocky hits an ugly dropkick into an arm drag smacks Hunter's head, Hunter didn't like that Hunter then pushes Rock into the turnbuckle and gives him a huge smack in the face.
1: Uh, lots of Rocky arm drags. This is day one wrestling school is what it looked like. We're coming off of the fact that he hasn't had a full year in the business yet. Right, yeah. He's still very He was very still green. very, very green and kudos to Triple H for carrying him through this match.
0: Uh, Rocky gets thrown outside. Hunter hits a pretty nice baseball slide knocks Rocky into the barrier. He follows it up with a body slam on the outside. Hunter gets back in the ring and does his little curtsy. Uh, he goes back into a chin lock. He uses the ropes to help. Hunter hits a flying knee for a two count. Rocks small packages A frustrated Hunter for a two. And that's a call back to Thursday night. Uh, Hunter takes his ponytail holder out in anger. Very weird to see wrestlers with long hair wrestling in ponytails. Yes. Uh, there's a very light Rocky chant in the crowd. So this Die Rocky Die stuff, it wasn't in Chattanooga that day. Hunter covers Rocky for a two, you're back into a chin lock. Rocky chants again, this time a little bit louder. Rocky hulks up, and how does he hulk up? He hits a running crossbody for a two. Uh, Hunter goes back into control. Hunter just jumps off the top turnbuckle to get hit in the chest. He supercells getting hit in the chest by front flipping. Rocky hits a power slam, then climbs up the ropes for his flying crossbody, which I thought was his finisher. It's not. Hunter kicks out at two. Then Rocky hits the float over DDT, and uh, it's not so smooth here. He botches the timing so Hunter drops his head before Rock does. Rocky calls for his finisher, which is a shoulder breaker. Did you know he used that as a finisher?
1: I did not. I thought the flying crossbody was his. The flying crossbody was his finisher. This probably was a signature move. Signature one week had the idea to give this to him as his finisher let's test it out here in Chattanooga, and they... Hunter hits his
0: signature knee, you know, that special knee that leads into the pedigree. Then Gold Dust walks out, and he pantomimes, kiss my butt. He says it to Hunter, and then he starts smacking his ass after he kissed his hand. This distracts Hunter. Rock hits a bridging German suplex on Hunter for the win in 12 minutes and 30 seconds. He's going for the title that he loves so much, and he's distracted by a golden man outside smacking his butt. It introduces Hunter's next program because Marlene Lena comes out for no reason. Why would she come out? She Kayfabe-wise, there's no reason for her to come out.
1: No, not, not at all.
0: at all. And another historical moment, Patrick. Makes her
1: debut. This is the debut. In Chattanooga, Tennessee. Of the
0: late, great China, who showed up in the crowd, which, by the way, she looks like nobody in the crowd. There is not anybody on Earth that ever looked like Joni Lauer.
1: No, JR is, what's that fan doing? It was obvious <laughs> that was not a fan. There is not a fan, I have not seen fans at wrestling shows look as massive as she looks. She was ripped and ready for that. But there is not,
0: there's not female bodybuilders ever at Mm. ringside. No. She puts Marlena into a chokehold. The security guards look foolish trying to peel China off of 70 pound Terry Runnels here. They eventually pry her off. Now, if you were being choked by a fan at ringside, what would you do, Patrick? How do you sell that move? I'm going to turn around and beat the
1: crap out of him. No, no, no. That's not how you do, But you're a 70-pound woman. Oh, well, if I'm a 70 pound woman, I'm going to sell it like like death. Yeah. She
0: should have been passed out. Yeah. She should have been choking and coughing and immediately dropped to the ground. No, what she does is she pauses for a second after China's escorted away. And then when Goldust approaches, then she... Passes out into his arms Yeah
1: and the fact that You know We got all of this on camera Was really bad Bad all the way around Uh, Goldust
0: comforts her He screams, throw her in jail! The king notes, Goldust should be in jail. He's done nothing wrong. Why does the king want to throw Goldust in jail? Uh, You know this is a work because they replayed it. Now, if a fan jumped in the ring and attacked a wrestler, they would not replay it for the audience at home. We get a WrestleMania 13 promo, and then we go backstage with Kevin Kelly, who's with Vader and Paul Bear. Vader, who he has a real tough time with his promo. It was a good thing that they put Paul Bear with him. But if you put Paul Bearer with him, why did you let Vader speak to begin? A new man will be crowned World Wrestling Federation champion, and Paul Bearer thinks it's going to be his man, Vader, tonight. (laughs) Stone Cold, Steve Austin. You've done let that canator, that gator butt, get that canary mouth in trouble, brother. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be? I don't think so, Mr. Hart. Undertaker, rest
1: in peace. He, I think he's talking about he's letting his mouth write checks that his ass can't cash. Okay, I don't know if that's I think the he's case. M-
0: I've thought about this all day today. I've tried to put, I've tried to put this together to let it make sense. I've never even heard a Canadian called that a Canadian. I
1: don't says, I really don't either. I I don't know what he's going for here. You've probably figured that one out. No, right. I have. Uh, this is bad. This was a. This was a bad promo. Then they give the mic to Paul
0: Bear. Paul Bear points out that Vader has beaten everyone, and tonight, you will realize, Patrick, that it's
1: Vader Unfortunately, in the WWF, it never was Vader time. It
0: never was Vader time, and at the end of this uh, podcast, I've got a clip from Jim Cornette talking about that, how Vader never got a fair shot. Now back to the ring, sadly, where Furnace and LaFawn are standing in the ring. Doug Furnace and Philip LaFawn. A very... No. Very... No, no, no. Don't tell me they're good. See, you're like the Mick Foley
1: of this podcast no, because no.
0: everybody's good. Doug everybody's Furnace, underrated. Everybody's no, Doug great. Doug
1: Furnace is underrated. Doug no, Furnace I
0: agree because in this match, he looked great. He looked awesome. Unfortunately, he is in the match for all of three seconds.
1: Exactly. But Doug Furness, a huge, I mean, a huge asset to the Vols. Right. I did not team. know that he was on
0: they JR mentions it, that he, he played uh,
1: football he for did. the Vols. And he was uh I think maybe the weightlifting team as well. Philip LaFon, not so much, but uh Doug Furnace, absolutely, I think is very underrated. I was actually excited about this match. They look like jobbers.
0: Yeah. They I mean just their, their ring attire. The fact that they're already in the ring. They yes, didn't get an entrance. they didn't get an entrance. Here. But then you compare them to Bulldog and Owen Hart, who come out, and they look that I actually see these guys are stars coming out. These are the only two people so far... That have looked like stars. I mean, it's just night and day. The Furnace and the Fawn look like WCW 87. Bulldog's music hits, and Owen Hart and British Bulldog are accompanied by Clarence Mason, who's also working for the Nation of Domination. This is just weird to me, uh, because this is something you don't see today. Uh, One manager per team. Uh, Bulldog's coming out, he's doing his arm pose. Owen jumps in front of him with his slammies, and he
1: lifts up his arms, and he smiles for the camera. And you had Owen and Bulldog. They had just won the tag titles. Right. Uh, And so... So they were riding that wave of emotion and excitement, and it turned out to be uh, one of the best tag teams that WWE had in the – 90s. Owen with the Slammy gimmick is probably my favorite version of Owen Hart. They should have retired the Slammies after
0: that because...
1: Even after, I mean, now when they have the Slammies a week later, you don't hear people talking about it. It's just uh, an or show and that's that. He used it as part of his gimmick and helped him. Since Owen's jumping in front of Bulldog, of course, that means... Dissension. Uh, they
0: talk about it because it, it stems from the Rumble where Owen eliminated Bulldog. You know what I would say to that? Bulldog, get over it. It's the Royal Rumble. It's every man for himself. Exactly. What did you expect him to do?
1: There's one. It's one thing for tag titles. It's another thing for a world title. So here we go. Owen starts
0: with Furnace. Uh, we get a bunch of basic reversals. Uh, Furnace whips Owen into the ropes, hits him with an arm drag takedown into an arm bar. And then LaFon tags in. Owen throws him into the corner. Monkey flips him over. Covers him with the woo pose. LaFon counters him. Owen goes for another cover for a two. LaFon head scissors him off with a for a quick cover. He like head scissors him off and then holds it for the cover. Like he thought that would work. Owen gets up, hits LaFon with some punches. You can tell that Lafon does not know how to sell punches.
1: Yeah, Lafon of that tag team, Furnace was the star. LaFawn was kind of just there. Owen tags in Davey. Lafon tries to get a clap going.
0: Uh, it doesn't work. The crowd doesn't care. It's a Furnace. standard Chad nigga. The crowd, crowd is behind Bulldog and Owen because of the way they, they look. Exactly. Owen hops in. They double team Lafon. He doesn't sell stomps at all. Uh, Davy then tags back in Owen. Uh, then we get Owen hitting a gut wrench for two, a backbreaker for two. Then Davy's tagged in. They hit Lafon with a double clothesline followed by a wishbone. Lafon doesn't sell any of these, uh, he doesn't sell the stomps that follow. Another whip to the ropes. Lafon hits a sunset flip. Davy does a front handspring. Owen tags in and works Lafon's leg. You get a tight shot of Owen's slammies. Davy tags back in. He runs over attacks tax furnace. This distracts the ref. While the ref is distracted, he whips Lafon to Owen's corner, tags in Owen. The ref doesn't see this. Davy lifts Lafon up for a vertical suplex, and Owen dives off the top rope and hits crossbody. A very cool double team move. Uh, even though the ref didn't see the tag, he counts uh, Owen's cover for he, a two. He does. Uh, Owen argues with the ref. Furnace calls for the hot tag. Uh, Lafon tries an inside cradle. Uh, both partners reverse it. Lafon ends up getting a two. Davey gets back into the ring. Miscommunication sends Owen kicking Davey in the face. So, some more dissension. Uh, Lafon covers Davey for a two. Uh, he gets a rope break. Owen and Davey argue. Owen slaps Davey. Davey gives him a clothesline in return. When Furnace tags in, I really rejoiced because Lafon was killing me. His dropkick looked great. A belly-to-belly on Owen for two, Davey breaks it up. LaFon tags in, then we get a double-team back body drop on Owen for a two. LaFon knocks Davey to the floor. Furnace tries a vertical suplex, Owen slips out, he hits him with a great-sounding insiguri. Owen gives Davey the hot tag, but then Furnace tags in LaFon. Bulldog runs wild, you get a sloppy penitent attempt by LaFawn on Davey. Owen saves Davey, then Furnace and LaFon throw the heels into each other. The old, uh, Owen and Davey run into each other. Owen goes outside to get his slammies even though bulldog is about to hit the running power slam on lafon but owen comes in doesn't want bulldog to get the shine so he hits lafon with a slammy for a dq winners in
1: 10:30 which was a long 10:30
0: lafon raises his arm to celebrate a dq win what a what a fool What a dummy.
1: Your winners, Doug Furness and Philip Lafon by DQ, but... Never celebrate a DQ win for a title because you didn't win the title. No. You see the Slammy, Owen's Slammy gets broke. I know, that was terrible. As they go to fight over it, Davey and Owen, the base breaks off of Owen's prized possession, his Slammy. Yeah, because Bulldog throws it down. That's right. He's
0: upset. Why is he upset? He's a fool too. Bulldog and LaFawn are both fools. Bulldog wants to be a face. Uh, Bulldog teases uh, actually beating Owen. Okay, so Clarence Mason brings in titles to Owen and Davey. And he tries to give... Well, Owen takes his belt, naturally. And Bulldog's like, no! No, I don't want that! No, no! And so you think, okay, Bulldog's going to turn on him and attack them both. But eventually he just... Takes the belt. Yeah. And walks off. And they walk off. Well, Doc Hendricks is with The Undertaker. Undertaker says he's found his edge. He says the force of the old Undertaker that
1: dominated in the 90s is not far away. Rest in peace. A very short, sweet, and to-the-point promo by The Undertaker, which is back in the 90s, which is what he was known for. Uh, We get flashback to the Rumble, show how it ended. Uh, Fink gives us the long introduction for the Final Four match, which includes the rules, which... Now, the final format you would think is a standard Fatal 4-Way. However, the stipulation is also you can be eliminated by being thrown over the top rope. It's basically a four-man Royal Rumble match. With the pinfall and submission included. Added, yes. Added to it. It's the first and only time this match has ever taken place in WWE history. Why would you ever go for a pinfall or submission when you can just chuck a guy over the rope? Is that easier? It's pretty easy. I mean, it's easier to keep a man down for three seconds than it is to... It only to, takes one second to throw you over the rope. Yeah, that's a lot of muscle at some point in time to have to... So, you, so you're not bothered by... Yeah, you have to... That's a lot of muscle to have to, to muscle him up over the top. So, I mean, sometimes keeping them down for a 3 counts. Easier than throwing them over. All right, so here we go. Vader's out first. He's with Paul
0: Bear. They throw up the rules graphic. I think we get it. We explained it way quicker than they did. Vader's so excited, he kicks the ring steps over. Have you ever come out to ref a match and been so excited you just kick the ring steps over?
1: I've fallen over the ring steps, but that's (laughs) about it.
0: Okay, Stone Cold Steve Austin's out next. He takes a minute to come out. Uh, The heels, to let you know they're not going to work
1: together, they flip each other off. Vader actually flips Austin off first. They were saying to each other that they were number one.
0: Undertaker comes out next, and for the first and only time all night, the actual crowd wakes up and goes nuts for The Undertaker. Now, this I remember distinctly. Uh, So he comes out. He does the the slow light reveal. the, The Undertaker... Fade the lights up with the arms, which I like better than the just raise your arm up. I do, too. Lights come on instantly. I I did, too. I had a great idea for a product that WWE shops should sell. It's a light switch cover where the light switch is Undertaker and his arms go up when you turn on the lights and they come down when you
1: turn them off. That is brilliant.
0: (laughs) I just I I thought, why hasn't this happened?
1: That is brilliant. I want one. I want one. I would
0: have it on all my lights. We need
1: to make some phone calls.
0: He's the human light switch. He can turn the lights on and off. That is true. Kevin Kelly's with Bret Hart. Now, this is a really cool entrance because Kevin Kelly does the interview.
1: The cameraman stays with Bret. The cameraman follows Bret through the hall, Goldberg style. uh, Goldberg style, it was, instead of showing him his face... And not from the front. It showed him from the back. So you actually got to see what... You got to go past the gorilla position and go out And see what Brett and and Taker and everybody was seeing as they went through the curtain all the way out onto the floor of the entrance. And uh, it was
0: an odd. I mean, when you have no, this was Kevin Dunn again, the great producing of Kevin Dunn, because there's no, there's no big entrance set. There's no big set. There's no big production for this thing. But just do something small like that. Just have the camera follow him. Brilliant. Make the most out of nothing. Out of what you have. That's it. Uh, Bret Hart starts with Austin. Vader and Taker start. Taker starts with Vader. He hits his signature flying clothesline. Taker goes through a lot of his signature spots all at first. He hits Vader with that flying clothesline that he does a somersault out of. Brett's just beating Austin in the corner, punch kick. Uh, Taker joins in, and then he uh, beats on Brett for a minute, which is weird that the faces are now fighting. Taker does... It's not old school at this point. I'd say it's middle school. He does middle school on Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is a stupid move to do in an over-the-top rope elimination match. You took the words right out of my <laughs> mouth. This could have gone, really gone really bad. really
1: bad really fast
0: uh then vader muscles undertaker over for a belly to belly it was very impressive then taker does his sit-up spot so he does his michael myers sit up from the ground so he's already hit three signature undertaker moves minutes into this match a premonition of what you won't see from the undertaker later in the match uh vader (laughs) knocks taker through the middle of the rope so now they're on the outside vader steals finkel's chair what a jerk and this is where it gets interesting. Yes. Uh, he hits Undertaker in the back with the chair. Austin and Brett are still brawling in the ring. Vader tries again with the steel chair. Vader takes a big boot to the face from Undertaker. Taker then whips Vader into the steps. And this is when things went wrong for Vader in this match. Ouch. Yes. It looks like he hit the corner. I can't tell if he either his eye hit the, the corner of the sharp edge of the steps uh, you know how they're like, I can't describe it really. You know, they've got right. really sharp edges. I can't tell if his eye directly went into it or if his fingers, because it looked like he was actually bracing himself and his uh, his hand popped up and hit him in the face. So I can't tell if he did this to himself or the ring steps did. But this is uh, very tough. This to was watch. a bad.
1: This was a bad cut. Uh, believe it or not, especially for a man that wears a mask. It was. And later, it gets to the point that he has to remove his mask, which you never saw, except on a few occasions, Vader actually do. Um, But at first, you just thought, oh, well, he's bleeding, but it's not that bad. As it went on, it started really, really pouring
0: blood. Well, especially when Austin decided to punch him in the face later. Uh, They make their way back into the ring, so now everyone's in the ring. Uh, Brett's got Austin in a sleeper. Austin counters with a jawbreaker for two. Undertaker choke slams Vader. It's a gr- man. Vader really jumps for this choke slam.
1: He gets he gets some serious leverage. Yes. Uh,
0: Austin then decides to focus on Taker. We get a modified Stone Cold Stunner. Not quite a real Stone Cold Stunner. Uh, Vader low blows Brett. Then Vader drags him outside and smatters him with a chair shot. Taker and Austin are battling on the entranceway. Austin tried to go for a pile driver. Uh, Then Taker backbodies Austin onto the concrete. Wonderful. Don't ever take that bump. Taker goes back into the ring to fight Bret. Vader and Austin are brawling now on the outside. Undertaker's just in the ring holding, choking Bret the whole time. Uh, he, He eventually covers him for a two. Austin whips Vader towards the timekeeper, and Vader smatters into the timekeeper. Austin then hits him with the WWF title, so... Hey, Austin... Showcasing things to come, he's got his hands on the belt already. Uh, Vader throws
1: the ring bell in disgust. He just and it broke the bell. Yeah, if you haven't, you got have to pay close attention. It actually broke the bell. So, which played into a fact that at the end of the night, we did not a bell call to, to end, the, end match. the match. That's right. Uh, you get a tight shot of Vader's eye
0: here. This is when you can tell it's really starting to to come apart. Vader goes on and drags Brad out of the ring now. So now Austin and Taker get in the ring. They're fighting. Vader gets thrown over the barrier. Taker covers Austin for two in the ring. Taker teases throwing Austin over the top rope. So the first first try at an elimination over the top rope. Hits a clothesline off the top rope onto Undertaker. Then we go backstage and see Sid's watching this on TV. And Sid, who's also not wrestling on the television tonight, is in his ring gear. So Was there a dark match? After? There was a dark match afterwards. But for the people watching at home, why would Sid be in his ring gear tonight? I agree. And sweaty for some reason. And sweaty, too. Vader tries to tie up Bret Hart in the sharpshooter.
1: The problem with this is, is... Vader's leg is fat. Vader's legs were about three times the size... Of Brett, and as Brett is really trying to help him by rolling over, they're just spinning around. They end up just doing a giant circle of rolling Brett around on his shoulders. <laughs> it's hilarious. It was to see. It, it was very hilarious. It looks like Brett's breakdancing or something, yes. doing a
0: spin on the on the floor. And it doesn't last long either. No. It
1: was it was wasted time and wasted effort because as soon as he gets it on him, uh, Austin comes out and right hits him. Vader decides to go in the ring to rest because he is.
0: He needs to rest. He's tired, so he goes in the ring to take a rest. So now Austin and uh, Brett are fighting. Eventually, Vader and Austin get in the ring. Austin hits the Luthes press, and this is what really opens up Vader's cut is uh, Va- uh, Austin's punches.
1: In all honesty, I don't know what he was going for there uh, because, it, in fact, it actually started to make it swell worse. Um, it made it bleed worse. And it made it bleed a lot worse, too. All right, so now
0: everybody gets back in the ring. Brett delivers a nice pile driver to Austin for two. Vader goes upstairs for a Vader bomb, but then changes his mind, and he decides to go for a third rope Vader moonsault. This man cannot see out of his eye, but he tries a third rope Vader moonsault. It looked amazing, but he he missed it. Taker gets up, and Vader and him go outside again. Taker chokes Vader with the cables. Can't do this in the PG era. Austin's in the ring trying to throw Hart out. Everybody gets back into the ring. Vader's really gassed. Brett hits a second rope elbow drop on Austin for a two count. JR mentioned this isn't about over the hill. These guys are in their prime. So another dig at WCW there. Brett low blows Vader. Uh, So there's a a hint of a heel turn coming. Austin ties up Taker's leg in the ring post, so he's got him distracted. Hart covers Vader for two. Taker tries to throw Austin over. Austin escapes again. Vader tries an arm bar on Hart. Then Austin tries to throw Taker over, and he rolls back in. Taker then chucks Stone Cold Steve Austin over the ring ropes. I mean, it didn't look like, it didn't look like Austin was gonna make it back in from this one, but he does. Then the faces, uh, Brett and Taker, double team Vader. Taker covers for two. Uh, Bret Hart then, oddly, just casually dumps out Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's out. He's eliminated. But out of these four guys, you're not going to have Bret or Taker be eliminated first. One of the heels has got to go first. Right. And I'd say Austin and Vader are pretty much on the same level at this point, so... The officials, all the refs come out to escort Austin to the back. He's obviously not very happy. Uh, Brett decides to focus on Taker. Vader gets to chill in the corner. Then Vader chop blocks Undertaker's legs out from under him, take the big man down. Vader and Hart team up on Taker. Taker rolls out of the ring. Vader finally takes his mask off. He, I didn't know why he didn't do this immediately.
1: He kept fighting with it throughout the entire match. Uh, The top part of it, because it kept rubbing into the cut. As soon as you do, though, he does, you see a camera shot of the side of his eye where it is busted, and it's bad. This was
0: hard way blood. This, this was, was not, this
1: was no hey let's let's blood. There was
0: no need for blood in this match. No. It was and it now was in bad. today's WWE the match would have been stopped and absolutely uh, he would have been out of the match TKO right my uh,
1: my, my my elastic gloves would have been
0: out right and absolutely we would, he would have been... thrown up the X and uh, he would have been done absolutely done for he wouldn't have got to keep going. Vader and Hart then uh, team up on Undertaker. Taker rolls out of the ring. Hart teaming up with a heel here. Uh, so Vader hits a vertical suplex then he climbs to the top rope brett cuts him off and then brett superplexes vader off of the top rope awesome
1: that was awesome it was a very intense magnificent suplex
0: uh taker finally wakes up heart locks vader in the sharpshooter now here is something stupid that happens in the match one, I'd say the only—other mis- than Vader nearly losing his eye, this is the only other, I'd say, mistake. Hart. So Bret Hart has Vader in the sharpshooter. Why would Taker, then, run in and break it up?
1: I don't know. That's stupid. That was stupid. If uh, and They're feuding.
0: That's right. his main enemy in the match, is Vader. And yeah. he goes and saves Vader right. from a sharpshooter.
1: And it—I uh, mean, it was— it made no sense to the point that actually even J-R, Jr. Yeah, he says, I don't quite understand that. Yeah, I mean, at, there's some points in times where you have to just throw your hands up in the air and be like, listen, I don't know what he was thinking. Jim Ross, who I still think to this day is the greatest play-by-play man of all time. He could have let it go, but I mean why when you're it's right there you know (laughs) you've got to do commentary you've got to call it so in fairness to undertaker
0: maybe he's just so intense he's not even focused on who he's hitting he just just wanted to hit everybody
1: yeah swinging for the fences all
0: right now we finally get to go into the closing sequence of the match austin runs back out to batter brett on the outside vader calls for a vader bomb Another stupid move to do. I didn't point this out earlier. Don't do anything off the top rope. No. But walking on the top rope like Undertaker did is worse than just doing a top rope move off the turnbuckle. Taker cuts him off.
1: With a low blow.
0: Yes. Taker, the face,
1: low blows the heel. <laughs> and shoves him. Yeah, just- <laughs> This is the poor man, y'all. This, this wasn't... guy can't see. Listen, people. He's covered guys. in blood. Yeah. And now he's got
0: to take a sickening we're, we're,
1: we're not talking about like a clothesline or a choke slam this off the top. This isn't. No. This is a almost four hundred pound man gets low blowed and then not even a punch, clothesline, nothing. nothing. He just gets a push. <laughs> that is probably the weakest move Undertaker has ever done in his career. He this just is... pushes him. And Vader... For the phenom. Yeah.
0: This is supposed to be the strongest guy The strongest guy guy
1: in WWF, WWE. He's so
0: strong, it only takes a slight shove. It took a
1: shove, and he goes falling out. And, uh,
0: yeah, I... It still keeps Vader looking strong because you don't want him to take... A tombstone or something and then yeah just but get it, it
1: really it really made it's
0: just an odd way to eliminate him for someone like the undertaker whatever
1: you know it gets the job done. it got the job done it got us to the final but two. in fairness
0: the fans went nuts for this they were go they lost their mind it was I- the high
1: spot of the show
0: i think they didn't understand the rules and they thought undertaker just won the match or something here because they went nuts uh, the camera, I don't know, the camera operator shook the camera to emphasize how loud the crowd was. He did. Yeah, he shook the camera. The uh, the commentators know that this play, this arena is shaking. Austin's now in the ring with Brett, those refs. They couldn't keep Austin out. Taker shoes him off. The refs eventually take Austin away. But Taker is stupid and is distracted with the officials taking Austin away. Just long enough for Brett Hart to sneak up behind him. You're right. Undertaker somehow sensed that Bret Hart was behind him because he catches him with a clothesline, calls for the tombstone. The crowd is still going nuts. Austin, though, grabs Hart's foot. So Austin is now saving Hart from being tombstoned because as Undertaker lifts him up, Austin holds his legs back before Taker can bring him down Bring him
1: down for the tombstone. Exactly. So Austin,
0: in a, in a sense, is saving the man he hates. Also doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: I think he just wanted at him so bad he didn't care what he had to do. Right.
0: It's fair, I guess. To say that, but still Was there logic? Well, he can't win. Austin can't win, so who who does he care that wins? Exactly. He just wants to cause chaos. Exactly. Okay. So Austin grabs Hart's foot as Taker hoists him up. Then Taker, even though he was distracted earlier and he almost got eliminated, he gets distracted again. And Hart rolls Taker up. Here's your small package victory.
1: Small package victory.
0: One, two, no. He breaks up. Now they both go. To the ropes to check
1: out what Austin's doing.
0: Everyone's interested. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the most popular wrestler to the other wrestlers. On
1: that arena floor as we speak, he was. They loved him. They loved him. Uh, Everybody wanted a piece of him. Hart spins around and he says, You know what? This is a good
0: opportunity I've got here. We're both just standing here watching Stone Cold. He hits Undertaker with a clothesline. Up and over, Undertaker goes. Lands on his feet on the outside. That's it. Bret Hart, for the fourth time, is your WWF champion in 24 minutes and 5 seconds. What did you think of this match, Patrick? Too long. No, this was great.
1: I love this. I it loved was everything a, it. About was it was a great match. It was an unbelievably great match. It. Uh, I think it went a little too long. There was some moments there where it made Vader look like he just didn't know what was going on, which in his defense, he could barely see.
0: Yeah, I thought this was an excellent match. Uh, I prefer this to a regular fatal four-way or elimination four-way match because I think adding the -the over-the-top rope stipulation actually adds to the match. It adds to the match. um, It gives, instead of in a typical fatal four-way match or a four-corners match where the two guys are in the ring and then the other two guys have to just go die on the outside of the ring and wait for their next spot. This gives them something to do. So they can be on one side of the ring fighting over the rope to tease throwing someone over, and then the two guys can do a spot in the ring and get all the focus. So I think this actually adds. I think this is a great idea. I don't know why they've never done it again. I guess they've never had a real reason to do it again because they had such controversy with Stone Cold at the Rumble. Uh, So they've never done this again, but this is the one match on the card worth watching again. The rest of it, no do not watch the yeah, rest of no. this card. Uh
1: the rest of it just kind of you have that fast forward button on the WWE network. Go ahead and use it. Just listen to this podcast, then watch the match.
0: Of the hour of wrestling, this takes nearly half of it and for good reason. Uh, all four guys are superstars. After the match there is no ring bell, as you said they broke the bell. Uh Taker stands in the aisleway, he just looks back in disbelief. This is the tattooed teardrop undertaker so it kind of looks like he's crying because he's got a black teardrop why does he have a black teardrop i don't know okay i'm glad he ditched that
1: i did it didn't stick around long and i'm glad too
0: now here's where jr lies he says folks don't go away you can go away now the match and the pay-per-view are pretty much over you get another wrestlemania 13 promo sid enters the ring psycho sid so here he comes Wow! If you bought this, you were thinking, "Wow!" We're gonna see. We're my gonna goodness, s- we saw a great title match. Now we're gonna get another one. Nope.
1: Stare down, cutaway. See you tomorrow on Raw. I would have preferred if they did it in like Sid stand entryway, and they you know trash talk, cutaway. But if you got both of them in the ring, and there's refs out there, there better be some physicality. Not just, "Hey, I'm gonna stand here and jolt Jack with you till we." Cut the cameras off.
0: Show ends one hour and 43 minutes. And this legendary title run, Patrick, how long did it last?
1: Not very long at all.
0: No. uh, The fourth title reign for Bret Hart lasted 24 hours because he dropped the title the very next night. To Psycho Sid. Psycho Sid Raw in Nashville, Tennessee. So this really went, had no purpose. It had no purpose. Other than setting up Austin and Bret
1: and, and, and Sid, Sid and, and, Taker. and Taker, yeah, Sid and Taker, and that was a big match for Taker.
0: WrestleMania 13 could have been Hart and Shawn Michaels' the rematch from WrestleMania 12. It could have been that, Patrick, but it wasn't.
1: But we didn't. We would not have gotten the epic, epic submission match like we did. Um, on another note, right before we leave, uh, about two hours before we decided to do this podcast. Today, uh, I got some sad news. Mr. Fuji died today at the age of 84, I believe. Uh, so everybody keep Mr. Fuji and his family in your thoughts and prayers. Another wrestler out there needs your help, Sabu, who we have all known and loved. Sabu, actually, some fans have started a GoFundMe page for him he has got to have hip surgery, ladies and gentlemen. He is in extreme amount of pain, and uh, so if you... Well, he
0: did everything extreme. He so did. of course, he, he did. would be in extreme pain.
1: He did. Uh, Sabu gave... Go out there if you can. Help him out. But uh, as for Patrick Young...
0: No, we're not done yet.
1: We're not done yet?
0: No, Patrick, of course... Uh, After the end of each show, uh, we have to rate it, and so I'm going to have a unique scale of how to rate a show every time. So on a scale of Hornswoggle to The Great Collie, where would you rate this show? I would
1: put this in a El Torito. Wow, El Torito, so just a little bit above the worst. El Torito. It was, was, I mean, like you said, that main event was the only thing worth watching, and the rest of it, it was a bad pay-per-view.
0: I'm gonna give this a Terry Runnels Marlena. So you're Uh, gonna give it a five. I don't think that's a five. That's more of a four. I think she's about four feet tall and 20 pounds. So I think that's a little bit above an El Torito. Okay. Uh, Yeah, there's nothing to enjoy on this show other than the promos and the and the main event. Uh, I'm sorry I made you watch it. I'm sorry that it took me 20 years to get someone else to watch this show and it was you, but I'm glad that you helped me review this match. And now, Patrick, since I picked this first match because it had sentimental value for me, I picked this pay-per-view
1: card. You will now choose next week's review. I don't want to get into the habit of us doing uh, WrestleManias, but I am going to pick WrestleMania 17 for significant values of It showed the end of WCW. It showed the beginning of brand new turn in WWF to where we get uh, the giant stadiums back for WrestleManias. It had significant value of... uh, We might not, because it was a four and a half hour pay-per-view, we're probably not going to go fully play-by-play throughout it all, but we will hint on it and talk about it. Next time. Well,
0: this is the Retro Wrestling Podcast. One of the good things about WrestleMania 17, reviewing it, it might it is the best show ever. So I'm glad that we're going from one of the worst shows ever to the best show ever. Absolutely. In week two, why wait around to get to the best show? So we will do that. We will review WrestleMania 17. An easy show to review. It'll all be
1: good. It'll uh, all be well. Almost. 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 There's a couple of. There's a few in there that yeah. So there you have it. But as for me, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young, and... Intern Alex. I'll see you later. Have a great time all the time. Bingo, bango. See you in the ring?
0: Whatever you want to say. Whatever your closing line is. I don't know. Clothesline.
1: My closing line is a clothesline. No, cut that shit. (laughs)
0: Vince wanted to change his name to the Mastodon. I said it's fucking Vader. He was a WCW world champion. Everybody in the world knows who he is.
1: Well, but we can trademark it. He's a big Mastodon.
0: So, Leon, it, he just didn't fit. The, guy, the the fucking guys that he was supposed to work with didn't get him over. Uh, he, he was Leon was a, a high-maintenance individual also, and that didn't help him. It just didn't fucking work. Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: You've done let that canator, that gator butt, get that canary mouth in trouble, brother.